to the Age of Plastic podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Fox, as if you didn't already know. In 18 months of doing this podcast, I sometimes, as you may have noticed from the intros, struggle to find a description that I really love that encompasses what the Age of Plastic podcast and this environmental podcast is all about. But someone recently said that we explore the issue of plastic waste from all angles. So let's go for that one for this episode. Um, I am a consumer. I'm a radio presenter. I'm a voiceover. And this podcast is my bit to try and make a difference. It has been a wild 18 months. Thank you to all the tens of thousands of you tens of thousands guys who've listened over that time it really does mean a lot and I kind of can't believe it let me know what you want from this podcast in 2020 get in touch my website has an email form I am andreafox.co.uk I'm on all the social media Twitter Andrea underscore Fox and on Instagram hello I am Andrea Fox and also the Age of Plastic podcast get in touch with your demands your podcast ideas your guest ideas your own eco hacks or just things that you want help with because frankly I probably do too stick around after today's guest for an eco hack as always Um, It's a festive one that maybe I should have shared earlier on in the year. But anyway, on to today's guest, though. Buy Me Once is a website for the most durable, sustainable items that in some cases will literally last you a lifetime. From umbrellas to tights even and frying pans. Basically, Buy Me Once is a website that does what it says on the tin. Tara Button is the founder. She set up the site when she realised that no one focuses on long-lasting products anymore. She's also written a book about her journey called A Life Less Throwaway, and she even had a sustainable wedding. Coming up in this chat, we cover everything from advertising to social media and why people need to think more about electric kettles. So, Tara Button, awesome name, uh, author and founder of Brilliant Site By Me Once, thank you for joining me on the Age of Plastic podcast. It's a wonderful pleasure to be here. We're in a beautiful, sustainable building here, and I have to say, this is probably the first business that we've had on the podcast that literally does what it says on the tin. Indeed. (laughs) Come to buy me once, buy things once. So, for anyone who hasn't (laughs) seen the site, what exactly is Buy Me Once? Exactly. Buy Me Once is a one-stop shop for the longest lasting and most sustainable products on the planet. You've got some brilliant quotes on there for items that will last a lifetime, some of them for centuries. Um, So I think our longest warranted product is a Solitechnics pan, which is a cast iron skillet, which literally you could run over with a tank and they warranty it for multiple centuries. So you're grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren can still be cooking with it wow that's pretty good <laughs> well if you if you think the average lifespan of a frying pan is five years and then the non-stick wears out this is a frying pan that you can constantly renew the non-stick on it mm. and that means that nothing needed to be smelted nothing needed to be cast and then transported halfway across the world so the carbon emission savings are absolutely massive and also the expense builds up after a while if you're buy- buying a frying pan every five years. So you save yourself money in the long term as well. Yeah. It's funny, it's almost like an old school ethos, but buy cheap, buy twice. Yes, exactly. I think we lost sight of that because things became so cheap and the idea of wasting things became less taboo. I think the idea of wasting things, especially for people in the war eras, mm. was absolutely criminal. I mean, it practically was criminal, I think, to be wasting things. So yeah. now I think 
that with the advent of such cheap things, especially from the Far East, we just lost sight of that and started purchasing in a very different way, which has caused the huge environmental issues that we now have. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to get into that in just a second, but I feel like we should roll back, mm-hmm. uh, Sara. So how did Buy Me Once start? Have you always had this kind of outlook on life about buying sustainably and durably? <laughs> I wish. Um, no, uh, not at all. In fact, I was doing complete the, the opposite. I was very much a spendthrift. And as soon as I had money in my pocket... I would spend it on something. I felt like I had to just run out there and find the first thing that caught my eye. What has been a common thread is that I've always cared passionately about the environment. So even as a child, I would do crazy things like try to project Save the Earth onto the Moon, you know, in kind of these big environmental <laughs> projects that, you know, obviously I already had, you know, environmental communications um, high up on my agenda. Um, But I kind of lost sight of that in my teens and my 20s and, you know, got caught up in in the materialism that everyone else has got caught up in as well and didn't make the connection between my consumption and the problems that are happening in the planet. And that changed when I was given a beautiful uh, Le Creuset pot. And I have to thank my, th- my sister for getting that for me. So fancy. It's very fancy. I love Le Creuset. I know that they're gorgeous. And I think it was the experience of using it that made me realise that everything else that I'd bought up until that point was very transient, very um, throwaway. And I just loved the idea that this was an item that was off my shopping list forever. So in a very selfish way, I was like, well... Where can I find the Le Creuset of everything? Where can I find the Le Creuset of scissors? Where can I find the Le Creuset of mixers? You know, and I looked for this place and it didn't exist. And it was one of those ideas where I'm like, well, this should exist. This is a no-brainer. But it didn't occur to me that I would be the one to build it until I started to think about the connection between product longevity and the environment. And I found out some amazing stats. For example, if you get an average T-shirt, which lasts about two and a half years, to last just nine months longer, mm-hmm. you save, I think it's 20 to 30% of your carbon emissions and water waste. Wow. And that's just... Is that for like the year or like on your... On, on T-shirts, I think. Oh, wow. So okay. if you imagine a T-shirt lasting 10 years longer, mm. the savings are absolutely massive because it's all of the production... It's all of, you know, the water that went into the crops, the processes behind the production and then the distribution that causes all the damage. And if that doesn't have to happen as often, then the savings are absolutely massive. And so when I made the connection between long lasting products and carbon emissions, that's when I started to get this really burning, was very uncomfortable feeling that I should do something about this because nobody else was talking about this connection. And so whenever I read about the environment, I would get this almost literal kick to the solar plexus <laughs> going, you've got something that's a solution and you're not doing anything about it. Wow. You need to bloody do something about it. And so <laughs> after ignoring this for about two years, I was like, okay, bloody, okay, bloody hell, I'll do it. And I started building a website. I had no idea how to build a website, but I you know, just started and 
felt it was a really important thing to happen. And now you've got so many products on there and mm. you find all these, like you say, the La Creuset of items. So I suppose is your ethos like, okay, things on the website might be a little bit more money than maybe the high street, but it's cheaper in the long run? It's almost always cheaper in the long run. Um, it's hard to often get the stats on how many things people buy over a lifetime. But mm. when we do have the stats, it's very compelling. So for example... The average person buys 1.1 umbrellas a year in Britain. I was joking the other day, you never really own an umbrella. You're just looking after it for the next person who finds it on the, <laughs> on the public transport that you end up inevitably leave it on. Or the bad ones that break and you see them in the bins after a rainy day. It's depressing, isn't it? Exactly. So you can find lifetime umbrellas. And in fact, some of them even have a chip in them that will tell you if you're leaving it on the bus. Oh, my word. <laughs> so Living in the future. Exactly. So if you were to get one of these umbrellas and have it last a lifetime, you would actually save 600 quid of your lifetime. Wow. And that's just one product. That's just an umbrella. If you imagine across all of our products, if you invest mm. up front, and people aren't used to saving anymore, but we used to have this saving culture where we were able to kind of see the qual the quality and the value in buying for the long term. And so we would save up, buy the long lasting thing, and then just never have to buy it again. And actually yeah. you do save money in doing that way. It's just, the trouble is, is, is that the culture and all the marketing messages as well are, you deserve to have it now. <laughs> you know, all of the ads are kind of like click your fingers and it's appearing in your house. And mm. I think that that gives us this um, idea that actually having something sooner is better than having the right thing. Mm. Do you think that's what it all boils down to then? Because you've mentioned society and I have to kind of check myself when I say that sometimes because obviously we are talking about our Western society. <laughs> is it advertising to blame? Is it this devaluation of products? What do you think it is? Is it a mix of everything? Uh, it's both those things, definitely. I do blame advertising and as someone who worked in advertising for seven years um I you were there at ground level I was there at ground level and it was very much you know we would have these conversations where we would be trying to flog sofas and it would be like how can we get people to feel shit about their sofa <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know and, and and you'd use words like you know refresh your room you know and and these pictures of these kind of slightly Open scruffy window. no buy a sofa <laughs> well exactly and I think that um these marketing messages are very manipulative and of course the companies are paying the advertisers to try and make people feel bad about the stuff that they have mm. and also make them feel like their self-worth are linked to products and I think you know if you yeah. talk about mental health right now as soon as you start connecting your self-worth to things that aren't intrinsic to yourself you're in real trouble. And the trouble is, is that we get about 5,000 messages a day telling us that that is the case. That's so interesting and so accurate as well. It we, is scary. We, are, we think of our lives as stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying more and more to come away from that. But yeah, of course, that's going to affect your mental health when you break it down like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, that was the main thing that came across when I started to research for my book, which is like the philosophy of Buy Me Once. Why is it important to buy for the long term? And actually my book ended up changing quite dramatically because I realized that the most important thing I could do is make people not care about stuff. 
and actually buying for life is useful because it means you only have to buy it once so you don't have to be constantly in that world of thinking about purchasing and in that material world because it makes you lonely yeah I think about 11% of us were lonely in the 1970s and it's more like 45% now it's crazy isn't it and I blame consumerism and materialism because it does make you feel and think about your status your what you have and what you have compared with other people I mean the unfortunately the distillation of this is things like Instagram Mm. where you just have a constant feed of what other people have Mm. (laughs) and um and you make comparisons which is so damaging Mm. and it's so hard not to yeah, I, I have such a love-hate relationship with social media, but it's when you read stories about youngsters wanting um, surgery or buying things once and then throwing it away. It, we really don't understand, I think, the effect of social media. We're only coming around to the detrimental effect of, so- of social media right now. But you're right, it's kind of making us consumers, isn't it? It is. And the, the thing is, you know, we have quite primitive brains, actually. Um. <laughs> how rude how dare you uh, I'll have you know I'm very special no you're right isn't it it's like run uh, what is it front low uh, left and right what's definitely true is that there's a part of our brain that's still very much in the forest when we were tribal people yeah I mean it sounds lovely <laughs> <If> only <laughs> but it doesn't understand that we live in a world of Instagram what it understands is that it is part of a community that And it's very important that it keeps its status in the community because if you don't keep your status in the community, if you're kicked out of your tribe in the forest, you die. Therefore, this is a very paranoid area of our brain and it's constantly on the lookout for status cues. And it's looking to see whether you are above people or below people. And the trouble with consumerism and materialism is that it links your status to stuff and that means that when you uh, are looking at all of these images it makes you feel like if you don't have this handbag or if you don't keep up with a certain fashion trend or if you don't have this house or this car or this husband or this rock or whatever it is Mm that you are not worthy and a feeling of a lack of status is incredibly detrimental to our mental health but also our physical health you will live less long your immune system starts to break down because you think that you're outcast in the forest and you're wow. going to die it's, it's incredibly powerful stuff and what we need to do is disentangle ourselves from the material mm-hmm. can i give you one example of how advertising creates this connection for us come on tell um, (laughs) like the curtain Tara so imagine you know a high fashion advert and you've got this model looking at you in the face you're looking down her nose at you (laughs) you're looking over her shoulder um you know and if you looked at that advert if you imagine a person in real life looking at you in that way you would think how bloody rude is this person (laughs) looking at me like I'm dirt Mm -hmm. however that's completely on purpose because what she is doing by looking at you in that way out of the page of the magazine is saying I am above you Mm. so your paranoid monkey brain starts to go oh god 
oh God, I feel bad. Mm. This is completely subconscious, by the way. So you can't control it. But what happens is that in your inner mind, you're going, oh God, how do I make myself feel better? Because I'm my status is being questioned. Oh, look, look, what does she have that I don't have that will make me feel like I have the status she has? Oh, look, she has a Dior bag. Mm. I should get a Dior bag. And that's the promise that these designer brands give you. They're, they are promising to give you status. Mm. They're like, you will feel as above the rest of the world as this woman does if you get this bag. It's that word, isn't it? Aspirational that you hear in so much advertising. Yeah. I love how you were very careful as well then not to mention any names. <laughs> but we've all seen those adverts, haven't we? Yes. Um, and so many of them do it. It's, exactly. Yeah, it's scary. Um, you did mention your book. For anyone who doesn't know, it's called A Life Less Throwaway. What came first though? Was it Buy Me Once or was it the book? It was the idea of Buy Me Once and when Buy Me Once went crazy viral at the beginning of 2016, buried in one of the thousands of emails I got that week was an email from an agent saying, hey, have you thought about turning your philosophy into a book? And at first I was like, what philosophy? It's just buy long lasting (laughs) stuff. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there is a huge amount to say in this area. like, how did we get here? Mm. How did we get to the point where we're buying, I think there's 200,000 products in our homes. And is that over a lifetime? Or is that like- That's like the average person. That's, That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I'm yeah. really floored by that, but I guess it is kind of believable in our culture mm. where we're buying, going to the shops every single day, yep. buying 30 items of clothing in a month. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know people who had a clear out and they got rid of two skips and <gasps> 51 IKEA bags worth of stuff to charity. Wow. It's that little dopamine hit, isn't it? Yep. It's like the validation of of Instagram when you've posted the picture of the thing, but also the buying of the thing. Yep. Oh, man. We're so screwed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So having a little look through everything on the website, one of the things that you did recently was appear on another fabulous podcast with the guys from The Minimalists, Joshua and Ryan, which I'll link to if you haven't ever heard of them. Do you subscribe to that yourself? Have you got a minimalist home, Tara? Um, I would say... I need to have a minimalist outlook because I'm a very naturally messy person. Oh, really? I do not tidy up. You look so put together. I don't believe it. (laughs) Uh, It's all a big mirage. Um, Yeah, my my husband would be the first to say, and actually my my mother found it hilarious that I was writing a book about how to be kind of more organized and tidy because I'm a very naturally untidy person (laughs) in that I don't tidy up as I go along. You know, I let things build up and then I do a big clear. Yeah. Um, However, I have found that if you strip back to the things that you need rather than all of the things that you believed you needed, Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to keep on top of that side of things and certainly since I've started to live a life less throwaway shall we say it has greatly improved the messy level of my bedroom and my um, relationship with my husband (laughs) I was gonna say like I I, this sounds really bad but I'm whenever people are giving us like unwanted gifts I'm always Mm. like oh this I'm just gonna have to find a place for this now nope give it away I don't think I could do the Joshua and Ryan thing one thing in 10 things out but I I definitely think like 
having things in your life. It's that whole spark joy thing, the minimalist thing. Don't fill your home with things you don't necessarily need and you'll have a lot less stuff to tidy. It's <laughs> one of them plus exactly. points, right? I don't think there's a magic number in terms of, I think, you know, with a lot of the beginning of minimalism, I think some people kind of got a bit silly with it. Like I'm living with a thousand things. I'm living with a hundred things. It and was I'm very much like, like showing off, I think, for some people. It became about, really about status that. in another way. Mm. And I kind of feel... I'm doing zero ways better than you. It's like <laughs> that, all of that stuff. I'm like, no. Oh, no. Exactly. And I think that it's a everyone knows what you need. If if you kind of really start to think about it in terms of what you actually need in an average week or an average month, an average year, you can really start to break it down. And I think that there are some really great methodologies in order to find these things out. So for example, Josh went the whole hog and packed up everything that he owned in his house and only unpacked things as and when he needed them. And then I think he found out that he didn't actually need about 80% of the things that he owned. Mm. And that's a very powerful exercise to do. I I have a Mm. kind of a less extreme version of that where you just mindfully look at the things that you, you are using and maybe put a sticker on them or take a photograph of them as a couple of months go by and then notice the things that you haven't been using and then maybe think about making that thing fight for its right to stay <laughs> in your stay life. Stay or it's eBay for you or charity shop, obviously, yeah. Exactly. And, and then there are the things that I think you think that you want to use in that they might be a treadmill or mm-hmm. they might be an instrument that you've always thought that you might want to play. And with the things like this, I suggest putting a best before date on them and say that this thing will actually go off and start smelling in six months if I don't really start using it. So give yourself every chance to live that life where you play the piano. Mm-hmm. But if you don't start within the period that you give yourself, then maybe it's time to let it go. So that bass guitar I've had for over three years Mm. really needs to be donated, doesn't it? Give yourself a time. Okay, six months from today. (laughs) Um, Because then that that actually gives you the deadline because then you're Mm. like, do I want to have this in my life as something that actually brings me joy from it on a day-to-day basis or on a weekly basis where you actually get pick it up and fiddle with it um but if you give yourself that deadline then maybe that might give you the push to actually start playing you give yourself the chance yeah but I think that if something's just sitting there then you know you could always pick it up you know in five years time or ten years time and that's not enough incentive yeah that's so true so give yourself a hard deadline Mm -hmm. and if you don't meet it then it's off it goes (laughs) (laughs) that is a great tip Uh, more like that I imagine um, in A Life Less Throwaway your book but let's head back to Buy Me Once just for a second how does it feel to be doing basically the exact opposite of pretty much every company out there (laughs) and we were talking about that website Wish which just sells absolute nonsense that no one knows what it is it's all throwaway stuff do you feel like you're like the lone voice of reason sometimes um, I think I did it first and then I just started meeting the most wonderful brands that really, you know, they might be doing it on a smaller scale and that they're focusing on jeans or they're focusing on cookware or a particular object, but they completely buy into the ethos and it's through meeting these brands and kind of collecting them together under the umbrella of Buy Me Once that I've realized that there is a community of people who do really 
care about the quality of their products um, and then also obviously from the people that we've found who just like what we're doing that's helped me make me feel more alone it is tricky in terms of the wider commercial landscape because so many people are doing the opposite but that kind of is what makes us special and makes us stand out so I'm I'm kind of all for it in in another way I think if we were doing the same as everyone else then I wouldn't feel it was really worth doing that is your USP isn't it exactly we do the research so you don't have to (laughs) and find you know these long-lasting things and I think that with a lot of other websites, they're just looking for things that they can get the biggest margins on or sell quickest or, you know, fatty things that people will snap up. And yeah, that's not for us. Yeah. And when it comes to finding suppliers, um, how do you go about that? Mm. So we have a very specific five step process, which is asking questions around that particular product category. The idea with any Buy Me Once product is not, that it's necessarily perfect because in some product categories, the perfect product doesn't exist yet. Um, And it may be that we end up making our own products to fill some Mm. gaps or trying to persuade companies to fill certain gaps. Where would you say those are, just to interrupt you there? Electric kettles. We need (laughs) everyone, (laughs) anyone that works in electronics, we need a long-lasting electric kettle, please. Uh, It's a bloody nightmare. You know, we're talking about putting people on Mars and we can't get an electric (laughs) kettle. Or even just a fixable one, you know. Or even a fixable one. Have those on the high street, take your kettle in and get it fixed. Exactly. I have a hob kettle because I couldn't find an electric kettle that I was really happy with. The longest warranty I could find was five years and I think that's pretty pathetic, so... Mm. What we do when we're looking for these um, products is we look at the category. So say it's sunglasses Mm -hmm. um, and we'll go, right, so what is the best material for sunglasses to be made out of? And it could be like that there are some titanium sunglasses out there or there may be recycled plastic sunglasses out there or bamboo sunglasses. And we start to look at these different types of sunglasses and seeing which ones are the most sustainable and which ones are the most durable and then we look at are they constructed in a way that means they're less likely to break so for example are they bendy so if you sit on them they don't break or just mold to the shape of your bum exactly (laughs) sunglasses on your ass beautiful (laughs) Uh, and then the next question is what's it what's the aftercare like and we're really looking for companies that will take responsibility for their product even after they've sold it so a lot of companies are like wham bam we've sold it now we don't give a crap about you now yeah Um, don't come come knocking on our door after the two-year warranty or whatever exactly what we have found is that there are some amazing companies who they care so much about the product that if it breaks or if there's something wrong with it, they're so desperate to help you or they want to find out what went wrong with it in the first place because you know, they're engineers or they're, they're just craftspeople and they care. Yeah, it's just R- R&D, research and development. Yeah, I hadn't thought exactly. of it like that, but that's, uh, that is so true. And they're able to offer amazing warranties that they'll fix it in the long term. And for a lot of our clothing brands, for example, we've managed to persuade them to add a fixing repair warranty mm. onto their offering. So it might be that they have really sustainable clothing, but we want it also to be a long-lasting item. So they'll offer the aftercare 
um, on top. And then obviously there's the ethics um, side of things. So it would be really yeah, clear. Yeah, who's that making it, yeah. Who's making it, exactly. And then and then the last thing is, is are the reviews of other customers backing this up? And, and it, is it not just coming from the company, this information is also kind of coming from feedback from independent reviewers, testers, and the public itself. Wow, that's some great due diligence there. I love that. And one of those ideas, um, it's one of my little bugbears. I do think if only everyone who was making products thought about the end of life, like mm-hmm. bring it back to us, we'll recycle it, we'll repair it. I think we'd be looking at a very different planet, basically. Completely different planet, absolutely. I mean, I think that the people who are making the money out of making these products need to be responsible for the waste management of these products. So in my dream, everything would have a tiny little microchip that goes through the waste system and it'd be like, all right, you know, 60% of these plastic bottles are from coca-cola that will be this many billion coca-cola oh we'll have some tax (laughs) to sort that out yeah it's got to be coming and i think they must be getting worried because you see some of those companies getting involved in a bit of greenwashing and things like that now Mm -hmm. um and it's quite nice to see that no one's really fooled by it with xr and the climate strike kids even are like no, I'm not falling for this anymore, which is, is really nice to see. Um, I wanted to talk about the word sustainable as well, because I feel yeah. like buy me once is basically, it is the epitome of the meaning of the word sustainable, I think. But what do you kind of think that word means, sustainable? Sustainable is a hard word, I think. And it, the trouble is, is that it can mean so many different things to different people. For me, it's about the best use of the world's resources And if you're thinking about the circular economy, the worst thing you can do is just to chuck things away. Mm. The second to last worst thing you can do is to recycle it. The third last worst you can do is upcycle it and then fix it. And then the best thing you can do is just to have that product last (laughs) and just have it doing the thing that it's doing. Um, for as long as possible if you're talking about your best use of resources so for me in almost all cases a longer lasting product will be the most sustainable option so even if you compare a cup that you have to wash up to a biodegradable paper cup that kind of gets shipped in week after week in offices Mm. is almost always the long lasting thing that is the most sustainable product this breaks down in a couple of cases but not many so for example an old car that's pumping out a whole load of co2 may be less sustainable than buying a new car Mm. that's that's electric ideally you would be converting these cars and this is what anyone out there convert these cars can we be doing that so we're not throwing away massive hunks of metal yeah it's a difficult one isn't it and it's such a shame as well because I don't own, own a car. I've only just passed my driving test because I was—I'm an idiot. But um, uh, I'd love to buy an electric car. They're so expensive. They so are expensive. at the moment. This this won't be for long, I imagine, as more and more Things competition crossed, yeah. comes onto the market. But I, I think if we could, if there was a kit that mm. you could just haul out the engine of yeah. your car your and car. put a whole load of batteries in there, <laughs> yeah. then that would be ideal. Some so. some techie person who's listening, get onto that. Um, I also uh, wanted to know, 
I, well, this is probably a slightly difficult question considering the ethos of Buy Me Once. But uh, as we're heading towards Christmas, anything mm. that's popular on the website this year? <laughs> or is that kind of the opposite of what you do? We're like, we're not popular this year. It's popular for a lifetime. Always popular, always evergreen. Um, <laughs> I mean, Christmas obviously is a big time for us because people are buying gifts. Mm. Um, and I do think that a long lasting gift is a potentially more meaningful gift what I would say is for the person that has everything don't buy them another thing Uh, get them an experience if you do have someone in your world that could do with an item buy them something that's going to last and in that case we've got those things so the kind of things that are um, very popular on the site are the things like the long-lasting frying pans we've got sustainable tights we've got um some wonderful um kind of plastic free zero waste um starter kits so things to help you replace throwaway items but all in a kind of bundle so that you can start your journey kind of reducing plastic and that kind of thing and i think they're going to be super popular this year yeah i like as well that you've got some stockings as stocking fillers nice with the tights um (laughs) my brother used to always just say get me crap for the cat and i was like i am not buying you crap for the cat you've bought enough (laughs) shit from amazon thank you very much uh so now if he doesn't tell me something he wants i just donate to charity so good stuff there you go everyone's getting book tokens um so we always ask our guests two questions Mm -hmm. the first one is about plastic because lovers not haters on this podcast no preaching as much as i possibly can apologize if i have but what is your favorite plastic item is there any plastic in your life that is long lasting um so i do have some particular hardy tupperware that is completely leak proof it doesn't stain which is obviously the other thing that some Mm. plastic tupperware does it doesn't stain it's super hardy and it's got these little clips that you undo in the microwave as well that kind of lets the steam out and so it's just a very handy thing and it's meant that i don't need to take as many throwaway um mm. package from from yeah. shops or I can take them to the butchers and they'll put my sausages in them and actually that's worked out pretty well and they're not super heavy items. So I think those are those are those are pretty good. I can't think Would that of be yeah, you're you're struggling to think now. Is that is that because that's probably the only bit of plastic in your life, do you think? There there definitely is other bits of plastic in my life but more out of necessity than anything else. You know, things like my earphones. I can't mm. imagine my earphones being made out of another... No bamboo option for that, is there? As Not far yet. as I'm aware, there isn't. I'm now going to Google that as soon <laughs> <Okay>. as this. <laughs> because as far as possible, yeah. I, I, I do like the idea of just being around natural um, substances. I, if I'm in an environment with a lot of... Um, maybe plastic surfaces I was in a hotel a while ago which had just a lot of synthetic surfaces in it and I just started to feel quite uncomfortable Mm. so I do think that there is something calming and soothing about having um, natural fibers and natural um, surfaces near you so as far as possible I'll, I'll be plastic free but I'm pretty aware that there there are some things that that probably do have to remain plastic not least in things like the medical yeah industry and that kind of thing things that maybe might not even understand but have to be plastic for certain reasons yeah completely it's one of the things i always say um 
that's why I'm not like down on plastic and ban plastic because it's that's been revolutionary I think in medical terms and no one can yeah. really argue with that can they um and finally Tara uh, we always ask your environmental hero Ooh, my environmental hero is potentially a bit of a controversial one, but maybe not really. Um, It is Elon Musk. And that is because I think that he's really walking the talk when he says um, that the idea of Tesla is not to sell a whole load of cars. The idea of Tesla is to try and get um, electric cars to be the thing that happens Mm, and to be mainstream and as quickly as possible. So they've shared all their patents with all the other car manufacturers because they believe that by doing that, they will help the whole car industry move faster. And I think that that's a really interesting and kind of generous way of, of doing things. And I think he has made that industry move faster Mm. and the product itself is such an excellent product. He's done everything he can to make it as um, beautiful and robust as possible. You know, it's the safest car ever. And so he's completely changed the minds of, of, of people when they think about electric vehicles. They now think of Teslas and how sexy they are. Whereas in the yes, past, it was like, mm. you know, this you know, silly little kind of, bubble Toy cars car. yeah and you know you yeah. wouldn't be seen dead in it and it was very uncool and mm. so to be able to make sustainability cool unfortunately in this world of status and this is where kind of almost marketing kind of comes back yeah, into it come full circle haven't we yeah you know that's really important to be able to make sustainability something that people want <laughs> yeah i just wish he'd give up on the moon stuff but you're so right <laughs> you're so right and that he's he's an excellent one completely and i got a lift in it uh oh, i say it wrong oh, i say telsa because i'm an idiot uh tesla <laughs> they're so swish they are a very swish car if yep. i can afford an electric car i mean you're right he has made electric car driving pretty cool Yep, can't argue with it. Tara Batten from Buy Me Once. I hope you have a very popular Christmas. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> with loads of sustainable, durable lifetime products. Thank you so much for chatting to me on the Age of Plastic podcast. It's been wonderful. Thanks so much. If you're interested in getting your loved ones onto more sustainable ways, like Tara mentioned, the Buy Me Once have got some bundles to reduce waste. These are their zero waste starter kits, basically, that you can gift to others this Christmas. Basically, you get 15% off compared to buying them all separately because they save on postage. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And do go and check out Buy Me Once if you have someone in your life who is a little bit too throwaway. Or if you're struggling to think of something that you would really like, these are the perfect gift items because they tend to be like high price ticket items, but they will literally last you a lifetime. Consider it like a Christmas and birthday present, maybe. Also, I'll link to Tara Button's book, A Life Less Throwaway, so you can put that on your Christmas list too. I really enjoyed chatting to Tara Button. I found some of the things that she said about her advertising background, and the amount of items that we have in our lives really, really hit home as quite shocking. Okay, on to today's eco life hack. It's to do with Christmas trees, guys. Last year, we got one, a real one, that had been chopped down. But I found out that 7 million trees are sent to landfill every single year here in the UK. That is 100,000 tonnes of greenhouse gases. So, instead of chopping one down, how about getting one that can keep growing all year? 
and releasing oxygen and absorbing CO2. I have rented one this year. There are companies out there that will provide Christmas trees in pots. You just need to water them over the Christmas period and they'll come and collect them in the new year. Maybe the four-footer that we rented this year will be a six-footer by next Christmas. Who knows? I haven't actually Googled how quick they grow. There are some independents around the country which I'll link to in the show notes. If you haven't already purchased your Christmas tree, everyone seemed to put theirs up on the 1st of December this year. It's the 12 days of Christmas, guys. I know from some listeners that some big DIY stores are also providing potted versions, but you're going to need to have space to love it and keep it for years to come. Check the podcast notes, as always, for some links to where you can collect a rented or potted Christmas tree this year. I do try and make this podcast interesting and also amusing for you, because let's face it, It's quite hard to be flippant when Greenland is losing ice seven times faster than in the 1990s. By listening to this podcast, you, like me, the average consumer, are just trying to do a little bit better. Also, as we head to the polls, consider the climate in your vote this year, is what I ask you. If you're listening in the UK, of course. If you're listening in the US, do the same, but it's not quite so urgent. I'm going to see you in the new year with more guests fighting the good fight for the planet, but we are taking a little Christmas break. So I'm just wishing you a happy plastic-free Christmas with no needless gifts that come without gift receipts. I'll see you in 2020.